Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey everybody, welcome into episode number 80 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Debbie Tannenbaum. Uh, Debbie is the author of the book, Transform, Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. She is also an ISTE certified educator with over 20 years of experience. She has been a classroom teacher at various grade levels and... She's an elementary technology coach. Outside of the classroom, Debbie promotes using technology tools to amplify student learning in her work as an educational technology consultant, author, blogger, and speaker. You are going to find Debbie later this month at ISTE in Philadelphia. If you happen to be going, make sure you check out Debbie's work there. You'll have multiple opportunities to see her present. Debbie and I had a really great conversation recently we talked about not only the use of technology to really transform learning in the classroom, but also just kind of the state of education as it is, work she does around the professional development space and all kinds of other amazing things. And I will be straight with you. Debbie is one of the very first authors that we published here at Road to Awesome. We're super proud of her. We're super proud of her book. And I'm super proud of this episode. It is absolutely spectacular. Stick around. Don't miss it. You're going to get it right on the other side of this. Hey, leaders. Let's talk about school culture and professional development. What if we stop telling teachers what to do and instead invite them to sit side by side with us to solve the challenges we're all faced with? I'm talking about difficult parents. I'm talking about blame, outside pressures, and disengaged learners. School culture is critical, and I've got the formula to help you build the culture where everyone feels seen, heard, valued, and trusted. No more boring PD. Let's have PD that inspires and empowers our staff and gets everyone working together toward a common mission. I look at what we do here at Road to Awesome as human development, because this type of work, this type of learning, hey, it goes beyond the classroom. It goes beyond the parking lot, beyond the bus and the lunch line. This carries into your community. I was in a school district recently, and after the work was complete for the day, one of the district employees pulled me aside and said, Darren, we have to have you back again. This work is every bit as important as working on instructional strategies or diving into our data. We cannot forget the human side of our work, and that's what you brought today. Thank you. Hey, reach out to me today, and let's schedule a conversation for you to share your triumphs and your challenges. Hey, we're all in the people business, and here at Road to Awesome, we want to help you get the most out of your people. Email me at darren at roadtoawesome.net or go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the contact us button. And now, on with today's episode. Transform. That's the word that we're going to open this episode with. Transform, the name of Debbie Tannenbaum, my guest on the show today's book, and develop Debbie's one word for this year. Debbie, welcome into the show. Hi, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. I love your show. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, 
really excited to have uh, have a conversation with you here on the podcast. And obviously, you and I we see each other, you know, every Thursday night uh, as part of our as part of our entrepreneur group that we're in. And I don't know, we might even talk about that a little bit when when we get rolling here. But uh, maybe maybe some of my my listening audience don't uh, know who who Debbie Tannenbaum is. So maybe just real quick, uh, share who you are, um, what they what they really need to know about you. Sure. Um, so I am an elementary school tech coach in Northern Virginia. Uh, this is my fifth year doing this. Um, and so I get to work in my during my day job with um, teachers and students, really finding ways to empower them to use technology to really amplify learning and student creation. And that's something I'm super, super passionate about. And as part of that, I also get to do some work on the side. Um, I get to, I've gotten the chance over the last really two or three years to do some presenting on things I'm really passionate about that I really work on during um, my time at my school. So things like I'm super passionate about really getting our youngest learners to create and making sure that they're not just sitting on computers consuming and ways to empower their agency and nurture that agency. I'm also really passionate about getting that technology into those math classrooms and having kids actively involved in math learning. Um, another thing I'm really passionate about is making sure that our students um, learn how to use things like thinking routines to really get their thinking out. Far too often, classrooms are, you know, student to teacher and teacher to student. And I'm really trying to find ways to get that student to student interaction so that all students feel included. Um, in addition to that, you and I have a kind of cool connection. You're my publisher. Yeah. And on my birthday in 2021, my book Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky was published by you, um, which I'm so excited about. And it's something I'm so proud of. Um, I've also had a chance to contribute to a book called Amplifying Instructional Design. I wrote a chapter on engagement, um, but I've just really been enjoying everything I'm doing right now. I just got back from presenting at two different conferences this month, um, getting a chance to really share things that I'm passionate about. My goal when I share is I always want to share things that I don't find that other people are talking about. Um, my goal is not to give the same session that somebody else is going to give, um, but what's really kind of transformed and helped me develop even more this past year is I became an ISTE certified educator, which was a very tough battle for me. Um, getting into it, I got a scholarship, which made it free, which was great. But when it came to kind of getting and finishing and going to that finish line, I really struggled. And so when I found out in February that I had gotten that honor, um, really exciting for me. So um, always busy, um, always trying to see what else I can do to impact educators, um, but loving every minute of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw what you did there. You got transformed and developed in the same sentence as well. So good I job did. That. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> it really was. So you said a couple of things in there that, that I kind of want to go at a little bit. Uh, the first thing that you talked about was student agency. And, you know, this is this is one of the buzzwords, certainly in, in education. You know, I mean, I talk about it. Um, in, uh, well, when I'm speaking, but also in my book with, you know, really em empowering and um, embracing student voice. Let let's talk a little bit more and, and maybe let's begin here, because I think this is something that leaders everywhere struggle a little bit with. And that's just, what what does it mean? What really is student agency? When we're empowering and embracing student voice, what does that look like? 
Well, I think when we look at that, somebody, I, I don't remember who talked about that our students already have a voice. We just really need to make sure that in our educational settings, they know that their voices are honored and valued. And I think that that's extremely important because, you know, we went from when during COVID where pe kids were sitting behind screens and, you know, if they wanted to, they could engage or they could tune out. But it really was kind of like, you know, teachers were uh, doing a lot of directing one way. And then we came back into buildings. And I think that a lot of students aren't necessarily as tuned in as we would like them to be. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they feel like you know, some of their experiences might not be honored and their voice might not be honored. And it's been so long for them where it didn't matter whether their voice was honored. And so there's a lot of disengagement in our schools right now. And so I think it's really important when it comes to student voice to giving our kids choices. One of the things that's become became really clear to me during my ISTE certification is that all the things that I had learned in my 20 some years of being an educator kind of fit really nicely in this ISTE suitcase. And something like universal design for learning, which I learned about probably maybe what five years into my teaching career, and I knew about and I kind of used was like, oh, wait, I see how universal design for learning can fit and help our students using technology, but even more so really help them to have that voice to really meet, find ways that we can meet their needs. It's no longer that giving a kid a worksheet is the only way we can assess their knowledge. It's no longer that we have to read a textbook to gain our knowledge. We have so many different pathways our students can use in order to access learning that we really need to make sure that as we're designing our learning experiences that we give our kids that choice to find what best meets what they need so they can really share their voice. So many times I talk to my teachers and I'm like, if you kid a give kid a worksheet, then they might be able to draw, they might be able to do some writing. But if you use a tool that allows our kids to maybe make a video, maybe use audio, you're giving them, you know, maybe have a tech, a speech to text, you're giving them so many different ways to share their learning. And that's going to engage them more. I mean, I think about, you know, with my littles using Wixie, with my older kids using a tool like a Canva, where they have so many amazing ways to do that. And they can build into their interests and create something that's meaningful to them versus doing something that they feel like they have to do. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And so a lifelong, you know, secondary guy. My, uh, my first five years, I was a middle school teacher. Then I taught at the high school, obviously high school administrator. Um, so when, when I think about really giving that voice and choice, I think about things specifically, you know, from, from my experiences at the secondary level. And to me, that takes me right to project-based learning where we're giving students Absolutely. lots of different ways to demonstrate their learning. And I, I want to come back to that, but, but I want to touch on this just really fast or, or maybe even just comment on it. I didn't hear you other than when one time you said teachers, you didn't talk about teaching. You talked about learning. And I think that's a really powerful, powerful piece when we are talking about student voice. It's It's got to be about their learning. It isn't about what we are teaching, right? Go ahead and chase that for a second, then I'll come back to my point. No, I just think it's so important. And we want to make sure our kids, we, we want to be lifelong learners. And I think that it really starts with that. My students and my teachers that I work with know that I'm a lifelong learner. I walked around the building two weeks ago, giddy, like 
because I had learned how to do some computational um, language in Desmos. And I was so excited about this. I was like, you wouldn't believe what I just figured out. I want the kids to see that I'm excited. I want, I was in a kindergarten classroom and I said to the teacher, do you mind if I share? And she goes, no. I said, your teacher and I are working after school. She taught you this lesson using a new tool and look what a great job she did. I want the kids to see that. And the teacher, and this was a teacher who might've been a little hesitant beforehand, but yet she tried something new. I went there not to teach the lesson, but just to support her. Um, and then the kids were able to then create something and share their knowledge about a community helper making a five senses poem, really bringing in their knowledge about what that those, those community helpers did and do. To me, it's all about that. It's about giving kids experiences where, you know, it's not about what you can Google. It's not about what you can use ChatGPT to create. It's about showing that you've learned something and creating something that's meaningful to you. Because, yes, we still have an educational system that's rooted in a lot of the stuff that you and I grew up in. But right. we have a world that is not rooted in those things. And we have to make sure we give our kids those skills the communication, the collaboration, the critical thinking skills that they're going to use because they're not machines, they're humans. And we need to make sure that we increase their humanness, not just their necessarily knowledge. Yeah, no, that's, I, I really, really love that. I, I think it's just, it's so important that we are giving students just like this wide open canvas of, you know, show us what you know. You know, show yeah. us what you can do. You know, I mean, th those are our driving questions, right? You know, like, what do we yeah. want kids to to know and be able to do, right? I mean, going all the way back to the four four questions. That's that's question yeah. number one. What what do we <laughs> want kids to know and be able to do? Well, hmm. What if we flip that question on its ear and you know, how might kids show us what they know and can do instead yeah. of just as the classroom teacher, I want them to show me this. Well, what if what if we give them a wide open opportunity? You know, I, I think. To me, that's what student agency is really all about. And as a teacher, that's scary. I mean, let's be straight. Oh, uh, oh yeah. That's scary. And you work with them as, as a coach. Obviously, I worked with teachers as a you know building administrator, as a superintendent. It's scary, and I get it. What what are some things that you, you – like you just mentioned, you know, this was a teacher who was maybe a little hesitant. Um, how do you, as that, as that tech coach – kind of work through that with them? Well, it's really funny because when I, especially that one teacher that I was just talking about, I like to go in and do a lot of co-teaching with teachers. And I really appreciate this teacher because she called, she asked if she could meet with me after school, maybe about a month ago. And she's like, I know you want to come in. I know you want to do this lesson, but I feel like right now I can't learn while my students are learning. And I said, well, how can I help you then? And, she, and then she goes, well, I feel like I need to learn first. So I said, well, there's several teachers in the building who I meet with once a month or every other week. And we kind of just learn together. Would that be helpful for you? And she's like, oh, that would absolutely be helpful for me. And so she says, but is it okay if I invite my, my teaching colleague to join us? And I was like, well, that is totally up to you. So she and I and this other kindergarten teacher, we meet every other Tuesday now. And when we met last time, we designed this poem activity where kids were creating a five senses poem based on a community helper. And then when she was doing it, she's like, I'm still really nervous about doing this. 
And I said, well, let me, what time are you doing it? She goes, 1230. I said, well, let me look at my schedule. Here's when I have 1230 open. And then I was able to go into her classroom and watch her teach it and be there to support her. And for me, it was a really big aha moment because generally when I go in and co-teach, that to me is that magic moment. But it's not the magic moment for everybody. And having that experience where now I'm working with those two teachers every other week, and we basically sit down and we're, I'm like, okay, what do you want to work on today? How can I help you to best support your students? And they're learning so much. And it's really been a great moment for me because I'm right now working on my Virginia coaching certification. And so really exploring those coaching models and really, you know, we talk about in our entrepreneur group learning the lyrics. These were lyrics that I had never heard before. And I am so glad I heard them because they've helped me to grow so much as a coach. That's really powerful. And, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing you say in there without actually, you didn't use the word, but you've worked really hard to build trust. That's what I am hearing you say. I mean, it's about relationship and trust, right? Isn't that, isn't that critical? It's so critical. And it's funny because I remember I'm in a new building this year, which I'm very happy about. I love my school. Um, Not that I didn't love other, my other schools, but I went into my principal, she and I meet every week. And I, you know, I think it was the end of September. And I was like, I'm really frustrated. I'm not getting into classrooms. And she looked at me and she's like, you're at the end of month one, month two of year one. She says, you need to take your time. It's going to happen. And I've really worked hard to build relationships with my teachers. In February, I got into 19 classrooms. This month, it looks like I'm going to hit 20. So all of that's because of the relationships that I've been building with my teachers. And as you know, I a lot of times I talk about the innovation curve, and I really worked hard with those early, you know, the innovators and our early adapters. And now I'm starting to hit that early majority. And teachers are saying, "Oh, I heard you did this in so and so's class. I want to try that too." And I'm getting into classrooms that I would have never gotten into at the beginning of the year. But it's all about me showing teachers. And every teacher's classroom I go into, some of them are gung-ho and they want to teach alongside me. And then some of those teachers, they want to watch me model. And then while the kids are working, I sit with them and, you know, I kind of go over what they need to know and I start to lead them. And then I have some who I'll do a lesson with them. One of my third grade teachers, I did a lesson with Desmos and I looked at her Desmos class. She had like four or five activities in there. I was like, wow. She says, no, I really like this. It was easy. I decided I could do it without you. So it all depends. Everyone's so different. Um, But, you know, my feeling is, is that that trust is so important. And when I was a first year tech coach, I didn't understand that the way I understand it now. But as I build relationships with teachers and I know what they need, I mean, I have one teacher who's like, can you give me a second time each month? And I'm like, well, look at the schedule if it's open. Sure. And she's like, because I want you in my room as much as you can be, because when you're in my room, my kids listen in a different way. And it's just because we're doing different things. And I, my goal when I go into rooms is never to give teachers an extra lift. It's for me to say, here's something you can do to engage your students. I know it's scary. I'll be there with you. And sometimes the technology might not work. And that's okay because that's life. Our kids need to see that things aren't always picture perfect. However, I'll be there to help you. And if next time you want to take more of the leadership on, then I'll sit in the, I'll sit down and be there to support you from a chair. And then when the kids are working, I'll be there to support you walking around. But it's what they need. And, you know, I think that that's so important. A lot of schools don't have that culture where, you know, coaching is 
is a supportive thing versus a punitive thing. I'm not evaluative at all. My goal is to help those teachers to see how they can use the technology to get their students to either, you know, hook into that learning or to share their learning in a different way. And I always tell the teachers when I'm doing this, it's not about grades. It's about seeing where your students are at and finding out where you can take them next to get them to meet where they need to be. Um, and I think that's really important because we grew up in a society where everything was graded. My goal for this is not to get grades, it's to get uh, assess understanding, to assess where students what students need. And it's a very different focus for a lot of our teachers than they might have had in the past. We will return to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast in just a moment. But first, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I should write a book? Well, if you have, then let me ask you another question. What's holding you back? What keeps you from taking the step that moves you from, I have an idea about a book, to I am a published author? From experience, I would bet it's probably you're wondering who would even want to read a book that I wrote. Maybe you're questioning the idea. Is it unique enough? Is it valid enough? Is it good enough to be a book worthy of having published? Hey, as a best-selling author myself, I can tell you, most writers have had the exact same feelings at some point in time during their writing journey. Here at Road to Awesome, we believe in cultivating leaders by elevating voices and promoting positivity. And a part of that work is publishing books for educators by educators. Go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the Contact Us button to set up a free, no-obligation conversation about your book idea. Hey, educators, we've all had incredible experiences. We all have amazing stories, and every one of them deserves to be told. Go to roadtoawesome.net, hit the Contact Us button. Let's have that conversation about your book idea. And now, back to the Leaning into Leadership podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So leaders, here's the takeaway. Pay attention to this. A coaching mentality is about building trust. It's about building relationships, and about working alongside people. Evaluative types of positions are not about that. It's about here's what you're doing right, here's what you're doing wrong, you know, and here's what your score is, you know, whether that's a, a Danielson-style rubric, you know, you're a three or, you know, you're emerging or you're whatever, fill in the language from whatever system you're using. That That's, that, that's something that can easily be interchanged. If you're going to lead... As, as a coach, like somebody who's truly trying to grow people, Debbie talked about lifelong learnership, uh, being a lifelong learner earlier, um, you know, that, that has to be rooted in trust and it has to be rooted in being willing and wanting to be supportive and helping people grow. I love that so very much. Um, let, let, let's transition just a little bit now. I, I want to take this from how you do this in your classroom to now how you do this when when you're when you're doing your your side hustle when you are out <laughs> um you know representing Tannenbaum Tech 
So whether this is, you know, uh, presenting to folks, uh, you're doing workshops, you know, I know you do workshops with, with districts all over the country. You don't have the time to invest in building relationships yes. with a group in Illinois that just brought you into, you know, hey, come in and, you know, teach our teachers what you do so well in your building. How do you do that in a workshop setting? How do you how do you get them to buy in and say, oh, cool, I want to do this? Well, I think a lot of it, um, I mentioned earlier, I'm really into using thinking routines from Project Sierra's Harvard Department of Education. And so I try to really get my teachers, and I always start with a grounding in my trainings, uh, where I really try to see where they're at to start. And then, so I, and I think that's so important. So many times you go into a, a workshop or a professional development and someone just starts talking at you. And I don't start with talking at people. I start with finding out where people are at. So for example, with my math, where I do my tech up the math, I talk about how people people's feelings about teaching technology with math. When I do my one with littles, I talk about what words come to mind when you think about creating with littles. And so then when I'm doing those sessions, I'm able to then take the words that people have shared with me and I'm able to then you know, I feel like a lot of this is built into stories. And I feel like stories, when you tell someone a story and you share a part of yourself that you might be, feel is a little bit vulnerable, you know, I always joke that when I get that first laugh, and I'm not a comic by any mean, um, when I'm doing my session on littles and I'm talking about playing kindergarten whack-a-mole because I can't get all those little heads down because they all need help <laughs> all at the same time. When I see that, per when I see when teachers start to smile or look at me that way, and that's in a 100% true story, I know we've built a connection. And I do the same thing in each of my sessions where each of my sessions do not come from me being like, hey, what could I do a session about? My sessions come from something that either was a pain point for me or a session that I wish somebody else had had that I could have attended that I couldn't find somewhere else. And because of that, it's something that I feel like is missing from the space. And so very rarely will you see, I, I'm not even sure if there is anybody who's doing sessions I feel like just like mine. Yesterday, I was at a conference and I was doing a session about empowering our littles to create, which is probably my biggest passion session if I have to pick one. And afterwards, there was somebody doing a session about doing PBL with K-2. And yes, they're similar, but they're not the same. And I was actually happy because that's a session I don't normally see either. So I was happy about yeah. that. But I try to do sessions where it's something that people don't normally get. And then, you know, I start with that story and then I build in from that story, how that story has really informed my practice and my growth process. And then I ask teachers to reflect normally. How did what we I just share with you, you know, how does this connect with what you're already doing? You know, in my little session, I might have them try to come up with a headline based on what we just talked about, because I never start my session talking about tools ever. I always start my session talking about why the session is important, why what I'm doing is something that you need to think about. And every session I do is like this. And then once I've given them that background built on what they had already said in their grounding, then I start talking about how what we talk about in the first part of the session relates to the tools. Because we never start with tools. We always have to start with why, how the tools are going to amplify our students' learning. And then I'm able to say to them, okay, you know, in my math session, 
I talked about what makes a tech tool really amplify math and text up the math. This is how this tech tool does this. Now let's play with this tech tool. Let's see what it's like as a student. I'm going to show you what it's like as a teacher. And then I get to walk around for that session and answer questions. I really try to build in that time. And then I'm always, as I'm doing this, taking time to have to give teachers time to reflect. I don't talk for a full hour. And it's not because I don't have enough to say. It's because I know when I go to a session and someone talks to me for the full hour, I process about 40 minutes of it, maybe. And so in the middle of my sessions, I'm giving people time to process. I'm like, I've been talking for about 20 minutes. Now it's your turn to make, make your meaning of it. I do it at the end. Um, it's really, really important to me. And sometimes and the new thing I've been doing, and I learned this from somebody at FETC, is sometimes I'll have four tech tools in my session. And I'll say to them, which one do you want to learn about the most? Or which one do you know the least? Yesterday, I did a session in Kentucky where one of the tech tools they knew nothing about. We spent 20 minutes talking about that tech tool. And then I was like, I'm giving you all the rest of the tech tools because you'll you, you need them. But this was what you needed more. And I apologize because I had went a few minutes over and they're like, don't apologize. We needed what you gave us. And to me, that's what's so important. You know, I try, I really say, uh, you know, I'll go to do trainings with teachers and they'll be like, you're the first person who's given us any choice. And I'm like, how can we do professional development for teachers and not provide them choice when we are being told to give our students choice and we know it's best practice? It drives me crazy when we don't do that. And, you know, I'm really proud to be in a building where, you know, my principal's amazing um, and, and my admin team's amazing. And like we did two days this year where we had what we considered choice sessions based, we're doing per personal development plans where teachers get to pick a goal that they're passionate about and really grow in it this year. Um, and mine's family engagement for this year, but some, I've been able to provide sessions based on the needs of our teachers and then teachers get to choose what they go to. And especially our specialists are like, this is so awesome. We always have to go to trainings that have nothing to do with us. And now we get to go to trainings where we can actually use it. And, you know, I, my kindergarten team is amazing. Um, they all came to one of my trainings and I was like, the whole team came all four of them. And I was just so proud of them because like, I know technology is, is challenge, you know, they feel like it's challenging for them and they get nervous yeah. about it, but yet they're going and they're doing it and they came as a team. Um, and so, but we need to have more of that. And far too often I see people talking on social media, like, Oh, I have to go to another training. Why do we have so many of these days? The issue isn't yeah. having so many of these days. It's what are we doing with those opportunities? And I'm really proud to work in a building where that's valued. Man, I'll tell you what, that is, whew. If, if like we were on social media, I would just be throwing the, the fire emojis <laughs> at you with, with what you just said. Because, you know, we, we were talking earlier about student agency. And teacher agency is just as important, um, you know. Absolutely. And, in my in my time as a superintendent and now and now with you know with also being somebody who does professional development um man i really wanted to make sure our teachers had choice we started creating you know something very similar with just some personalized professional development you know i mean here's a giant choice board you know and if there's something we're missing let us know but we always surveyed you know what what, what do you guys want to focus on so we can provide things that, that give you those opportunities including sometimes too um we would put in some built-in time where 
I had some yoga instructors on staff. You know, hey, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do a yoga session. And holy cow, the number of people went to the yoga session was amazing, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And that's that's great because, you know, you, you don't just need to feed your mind with another strategy in the classroom or, you know, with another piece of something around social emotional learning or around culture or around, you know, how to how to teach math or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's really huge. And man, you you really brought brought a lot of passion to that. I I appreciate that so much because it's key. You know, we've got to give our educators choice. There's no way we can ask them to give our students choice if we don't give them choice. We as leaders, we have to model it. It's just, it, you know, and it, it, you know, I've been in so many, I've been in places where that wasn't honored and, you know, I know we, you know, I'm part of a leadership team in my school. And what we do is we give them surveys afterwards and we ask them the impact. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about as a leadership team is that, you know, we wish our, you know, we have a lot of school planning days, or I guess district planning days where the district divide, you know, figures is out. Well, every school population, even in a, I'm in a huge district, we have 189,000 students. However, every school is different. And the region that I work in, in my school district, happens to be a little bit higher needs. And so sometimes we need things that the rest of the district doesn't need. Um, We've spent a lot of time in our school really focusing on our multilingual learners and ways to reach them. And not every school has that need right now. And so really trying to make sure that we're building things in and I'm working with you know, our ESOL teacher to find ways that I can do that with technology too, because we want to make sure we're meeting the needs of our kids. Um, and every school has a little bit different of a, you know, a, a cadence and a personality. And so when I'm doing stuff with my, the teachers in my building, I keep that in effect. Now that's a little harder when you present in general, because then you're taking lots of people from lots of different schools. But I always tell people when I'm presenting, you know, wherever I'm presenting around the country, that I'm going to share with you what I find works and I'm going to give you my story. But the goal of my story and my advice is so you can take that, figure out what works for you and then make your story go. I mean, my story started with listening to somebody on a podcast who talked about, you know, teaching kids icons. Well, I've but, but since that time. My story's evolved quite a bit, but it all started because somebody else's story inspired me. And I don't want people to, you know, I tell people once they've come to one of my workshops or one of my professional develops, they're part of my family. Let me know what you need, you know, because we all have to work at this really hard together. Education, in my opinion, has never been harder. Um, People are leaving in droves because they feel overwhelmed and they don't feel supported. And, you know, I want to be there to support my teachers so they can support their students because the needs are really high, not just for our students, but for our teachers. And when I see that I've been able to show my teachers a way to reach their students in a way that they couldn't do before, I mean, so many times I'll hear from my teachers, well, my students, they just don't know how to behave now. Well, they might not know how to behave because they're not engaged. And, you know, if our kids are sitting there and they're completing worksheets after worksheets, then I wouldn't behave. I'd be bored. I mean, I remember doodling on papers because I was bored. I want to give them experiences. And so I'm really, you know, and 
I'm working on my coaching right now and they, they're talking about coaching cycles. Well, right now in year one in a building, my goal is just to get in classrooms and build trust. If I do that, then I'll be able to do a coaching cycle. But right now, I know that my teachers aren't ready for that. And right now I know what they need is for me to be there, give them just in time support with what they need at the moment. And then I'll be able to build that relationship. But I'm glad I'm getting the training on the coaching cycle so that when I feel like our building is ready, I'll be able to really implement that. But it's not there yet. And that's okay because change is a three to five year process. Absolutely. 100%. So just really quick, um, before we, we dive into the, the final question I ask everybody here, um, we don't have a lot of time to go deep into the book. Uh, so transform techie notes to make learning sticky. I love the book. It's one of the, one of the first books we did at Road to Awesome. And um, you've already talked about a lot of the pieces that are in there. It's really rooted in so many of your stories, which I absolutely love. What's maybe one thing that we haven't touched on that people would find in the book or, or that would cause them to, or that should cause them to go buy this book? Because, man, you're going to love this one piece. What's what's the one piece? I think the only thing I was thinking about that as, we were just, as you were just talking, and I feel like the nurturing student agency piece is a really important piece that I feel really, really strongly about. Um, a lot of times people feel like with our youngest learners that they can't do things on technology, that they don't know how. And in chapter four of the book, I really spend some dedicated time talking about my journey with icon literacy and how I really learned how to give my students agency, how I went from being, you know, you talk about in a bill as a building administrator, being a firefighter. Well, I felt like I was playing yeah. whack-a-mole um, and I was running from student to student trying to solve their problems. And I thought I was doing the right thing. Uh, unfortunately, I was giving them the messages that they couldn't solve their own problems. And I talk a lot in that chapter about how, I started to learn that I could teach them the language. Um, it, it's not in the book because I learned about this afterwards, but um, Greg Bagby talks about the fact that our students might be digital natives, but they're not digital learners. And I love that quote because I wish it was something in my head I just couldn't get the words for. And in the book, I talk about the fact that we need to make sure our students know the language of technology. What we need, they might be able to use technology for you know entertainment, but we need to make sure that they understand how to use those icons as part of their learning process. And I talk about the fact that we can, you know, we need to change that message, that we can use things like video to give them different ways of getting that message. We very rarely listen to something once and we're like, okay, I got it all. Um, and so talking really about that and ways that we can get our youngest learners to really create things that show their thinking. And then I talk about some of the tools that we can use that help students. And I say all the time, if you're if that tool isn't approved in your district, that's fine. Think about what that tool has and if there's a tool in your toolbox that might meet that as well. But it's something that I feel really, really passionate about. I think that far too often something's right in front of our face. And like I do the session and people are like, how come I never thought about doing that? And I'm like, because there's so many things that we encounter every single day, we don't always get a chance to think about it. And then somebody, you know, we think, I always think about when you switch phone providers and you're like, oh, I had no idea there, there were all these T-Mobiles around the place, you know? You focus <laughs> on what you're looking for. And so when somebody says, oh yeah, 
icons will help our kids because they're the language of technology. Well, then you're going to say, oh, my goodness, I had no idea there were so many icons with all these things my students use. Um, and so really building that agency. And, you know, since the book, I've also been talking about the idea of the connection between those uh, icons and then this criteria for success and something that I call an EDU Rubicon, because I really feel like it's important to make that connection as well. Um, it makes our the it makes it so much stronger. Students will say, well, I'm using the paintbrush tool because it's helping me do this and making that connection. That's not in the book, that's in my blog and some of my more recent stuff. Um, but the book really kind of shows that initial thought process through that and you know, really builds that idea that you know, if we can get our, even my pre-K kids are creating now because I work with pre-K this year. If we can get our pre-K, our K, our first grade kids understanding how to do these things, think about what they're going to be able to do when they get older. And then maybe we'll spend more time when they're in middle and high school, giving them opportunities to do things that are really meaningful because we weren't going to have to worry about giving them that digital literacy necessarily. Let them do, you know, if they know how to use all these tools, well, maybe they're creating, you know, something, you know, you know, an infographic in Canva that can be used somewhere in the community, or they're creating a commercial that can be used somewhere, but they're doing meaningful things. Um, but it all starts with our youngest learners. And like we've been really focusing in my building, not related to the book, on building that with that digital citizenship piece with our youngest learners, because by the time they get to fifth and sixth grade, if they have habits that need to be honed, it's much harder than it is when they're in kindergarten or first grade. Awesome stuff, Debbie. So let's go to the last question. The same question I ask everybody here on the show. Um, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So Debbie, how are you leaning into leadership? The thing I've really been leaning into lately, um, I mentioned my personal development goal is family engagement. It's really become important to me um, to really work on engaging our families. Um, I work in a school where 25% of our families speak Spanish. Um, and I want to make sure that we're reaching everyone. Um, I'm really fortunate. We have a parent liaison at our school who her job is to help with family engagement and she and I get along really well. And we partner together to create some family engagement events to bring our families in after COVID. I think a lot of our families felt like they couldn't come into buildings. And a lot of times our families don't know what they need to do to help our students. And, you know, that's something that I've really been working on this year is finding ways that we can engage our families and bring our families in who might not feel like they could be brought in otherwise. So um, it's something I'm really passionate about and I'm lucky that I have a great team that's been helping me with this at my school. But, you know, just seeing that there's, I, I think about there's a few pictures that we had from our event where parents have their hands around their kids and they're coding together and oh, it just hits me right in the heart. Um, but it's in the, in the parents are like, they're like, I can't believe my kids know how to do this. Um, so sometimes it's those simple experiences that have a really big impact. Love it. That is really, really great stuff. Debbie, thank you so much for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Uh, before I let you go, uh, folks, just so you know, Debbie talked about a lot of stuff. I'm going to link all of that in the show notes. Um, where to go get her book, we'll send you right to her website so you can get it uh, get it direct from her. Um, link it to her blog, all of those different things. Uh, Debbie, again, thank you so much for being on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Man, under 
promise and over deliver. I know I told you the conversation was awesome, but it's even more awesome. Having gone back through it and listening along with you, man, what an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Debbie, for being on the show. Folks, everything is in the show notes. Make sure you go check her out. If you haven't grabbed a copy of her book, make sure you do. It is a pretty fantastic book. And now it's time for a pep talk. You know, earlier today, I was on Twitter and I just saw a meme that uh, one of my Twitter friends, uh, Carrie Skeeters, had shared. And it was around the idea of rest. And it wasn't just that rest needs to happen for our teachers and for our support staff, but folks, rest needs to happen for our leaders. So leaders, here you go. PSA, you need to get some rest. If you've already wrapped up your year, go disconnect and get some rest. If you're in the home stretch, make a plan to disconnect and get some rest. You don't have to be learning every single day, 24-7. Your brain needs that time, a time to just rest and recuperate and get yourself ready to go for next year. Get some rest. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Leading Into Leadership. Have a road to awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.